You don't even like sports. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports, a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. Hey, hey, Jeff. Yeah, Adam. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Hi. You doing I'm good? I'm doing. You know what? I'm doing pretty good, actually. I'm even though you lie. don't even like sports. You motherfucker! How could you even say something like that? You know I like sports. It's you, actually, and this is fascinating. You don't even like sports. That is not at all true. Hey, everybody, welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? I'm Jeff May. I like sports. Adam doesn't. No, Jeff does not like sports. We are but- your hosts. And, oh man, do we have some stuff to talk about today. Let me tell you, Adam, this has been fascinating. The sports that we like the least have made the most exciting things. Like, we've we've dug deeper. Tony Stewart, he killed a guy. He did actually kill a guy. Yeah, that's true. And Maradona may not have actually killed a guy, but he knows, like, literally everybody he knows has killed a guy. Uh, I mean, he, it took a while, but he did kill one guy. Oh, yeah. Being himself. Yeah, that's a very Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, this is turning into the godfather of podcasts. Like, not in terms of quality. I feel like if you factor in the third movie, we're miles ahead of that I franchise. I would say we're, we're, we're probably above them, yeah. Yeah, in terms of quality. But it's it's like the godfather in that every time I think I'm out, Diego Maradona pulls me back in. I mentioned on the last episode that we have two episodes to go. Guess what? After researching this, we have four episodes to go. Double it, Adam. There is so much happening in this man's life. I mean, not anymore, is, but. And this is one man. It's just one guy. It's just a one dude earning, what, nine episodes? Yeah. It's like the last dance, but just one yeah. guy. And I took that personally. What's that? I was doing a last dance reference. Oh, very good. I've never seen it. I don't even like sports. Just joking. Yeah. I watched it. Especially that Michael Jordan. Yeah. I watched it twice. So, yeah, we we have four episodes to go, but the next two are going to be primarily about one thing and one thing only. Diego likes, Diego likes, Diego likes cocaine. (laughs) So when we left off, Diego Maradona led the Argentine national team to a semifinal win over Italy. It was a spicier controversy. That's a spicier controversy, huh? Because Maradona played professional soccer in Italy, and the World Cup that year was held in Italy. Adam, uh, let me tell you, the people of Italy, they're not going to like this. They didn't like it at all. It was, hey, (laughs) what are you doing, huh? What's funny is right back to them, Diego Maradona was like, Hey, I won you all these titles. Yeah. He was like, hey, shut up a you face. <laughs> yeah. Because he was, he had like restored that team, like not even restored it to glory. It was never a glorious team. Yeah. He gave them glory. Yeah. He, he made them famous. And At so the he, price of just a couple kilos of cocaine. Just a little, a little bit. What's a little just cocaine a little, between friends? A little bit. Just a little bit of cocaine in the Pope's bathroom. <laughs> Between friends. What's a little cocaine in the Pope's bathroom between friends, you know? His friend the Pope. And so 
he felt like he should have gotten a little more support from them. And this turns into a big conflict and everyone is pretty much signed out when it comes to Diego Maradona now. Napoli fans weren't happy. The entire country of Italy wasn't happy. And the Camorra also wasn't happy. Just to remind people, it's basically the Naples Mafia. They're very good people. They are wonderful people. Uh, If they're listening, we love you. We think we side with the Camorra in this dispute. Absolutely. Absolutely. In all disputes. Yeah. What's weird is I feel like saying that we have a better chance of getting murdered by Maradona fans than if we said we sided with Maradona. Yeah, right. Kimura yeah, would no be like, they, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. They're like, we, we don't care about you. Where are you? Yeah. Meanwhile, soccer fans, man. Fucking Ooh. crazy. So as if by magic, this is the point where Diego Maradona's cocaine use starts to get him in trouble and like that's what people in his kind of position never ever ever get is that the people protecting you from all the news about your bad behavior getting out they can pull that shield at any moment and just fucking wreck you that really is bananas to find out that you're like oh you've only been teflon because there were people doing very ugly things to protect you right it reminds me of like harvey weinstein where for years and years and years, he someone was making sure none of that sexual assault stuff impacted his career. You know and who one, that was? Cosby. No, oh, that wasn't So surprising. now you see what really <laughs> Domino started falling. Fall, yeah. Yeah. So to give you an idea just how shielded the public was from news about Diego Maradona's cocaine use and really just him being shielded from any <laughs> blowback from it. Because <laughs> cocaine is blow. Consider this. This is one of the most amazing things I have ever seen in sports. And one of the most 1986 things that could possibly have ever happened. It is aggressively 1986. It's aggressively 80s sports in general. Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. In 1986, Diego Maradona was caught on camera snorting cocaine on the pitch immediately after scoring a goal at a global all-stars game in Pasadena, California. I would just like to say that a global all-star game in Pasadena is a terrible idea anyway. I mean, I guess it's better than doing it in like Cleveland. At least there are people in Los Angeles that would want to watch soccer. This is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. He, he scores this goal. And then when, when I say he did cocaine on the pitch, mid-celebration when he's like hugging his teammates, a guy in a blue polo shirt just runs up with a palm full of cocaine and holds it up to Maradona. And he fucking now, hoovers that shit. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with soccer in any way, but there is not a designated polo shirt guy on the pitch <laughs> ever. There's, that's never happened where there's a guy that's like, oh, a goal scored. Somebody send out the polo shirt guy. But I mean, when you're Maradona, there is a cocaine guy. I like how he's got an Argentinian blue shirt. Like it's yeah. that like light blue, that sort of powdered blue that shows up. Oof, it's so good. And he just, I mean, this guy just like, it's almost like he farted in his hand. He's like, smell, smell the fart. Like he <laughs> cupped it. His hand was yeah. cupping cocaine. Like, it, I, I, was he like the team manager? And there's just a big trough of cocaine for when Maradona he was, scores. He was managing something. Or maybe he, I mean, this was, this match was the rest of the world versus the United States. So maybe he was in blue so the other players could differentiate their cocaine guy 
from Maradona's. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. you wore the the team color of your national team when you brought the cocaine out to the yeah, other. Like you don't want to do the Italian guy's cocaine, you know? You no. Do the Argentinian guy's cocaine. It's uncouth. No, 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 no. It's certainly it's certainly a bit of a faux pas. In the beautiful game, it sure is. <laughs> I remember reading stories about like the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s or the Dallas Cowboys and how they would always have these like one or two players, like everyone was doing coke. All your dads and grandfathers sports heroes were drug addled maniacs, no matter how much they bitch about Barry Bonds. And there were all these stories of players in the NFL who would take nasal spray bottles and just fill them with cocaine. And on the sidelines, it would look like they were shooting some Afrin up their nose and it was cocaine instead but at least that's a little discreet yeah it's a little bit i mean i feel like also there's like that sort of american regulation that isn't everywhere in sports yeah we're like in europe they're going to be a little bit more laissez-faire it's like an affair they're just going to like let they'll be like ah it's not this is the most blatant drug use since keith hernandez pounding nicotine in the mets dugout that exact same year 1986 yeah, like Maradona should have been a member of the 86 Mets. He would he would have fit in for sure. Yeah, they would have been like, they, they could have replaced Gary Carter with him. Yeah, he would Gary have been. Gary Carter was reading the Bible when everybody was doing blow. Get rid of, you know, Maradona's got them legs. He's got catcher's legs, man. Yeah, he really does. You know how tall Maradona was? 5'2". Five, 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, man, I've seen the videos. I've seen him running around. He's a stocky little guy. That dude is like a tiny wall. Yeah. His legs are so goddamn muscular. It looks like a tiny little horse stood up. Yeah, he's so fast. Yeah. So fast. So, yeah, this was all 1986, and somehow the idea that Maradona was using cocaine was still kind of a secret for, like, five more years. I mean, not a secret, but it wasn't news, and he wasn't getting in trouble for it. And when he was in Italy, this came out after he died, but... His routine when he was playing in Italy, he would do cocaine around the clock from Sunday to Wednesday. He would practice and cleanse and sweat that all out Thursday and Friday, play in the game Saturday, and then repeat that process every week for fucking seven years. Who among us would not do that, Adam? Right? Granted the opportunity. I mean, yeah, if given the opportunity, you're going to do all that cocaine. I'm that way with food. Yeah. Where it's just like, I'm just going to eat uh, three pizzas a day every day, sweat it out on Thursday and Friday, and then compete in the podcast sports on Saturday. <laughs> so, yeah, after all this, the 1990 World Cup happens, the falling out with the Camorra happens, and everything changes for Diego Maradona when he returns to Italy after the World Cup. For one thing, he was legitimately overweight. By this point, we just talked about he was always like he's always going to be kind of short and stocky, but now he's fat now. He's gotten Elvis proportions. Yeah, he he looks like me at this point. Like if you smashed me down to five five, I would look like Diego Maradona. You should start playing soccer. Oh, absolutely not. No way. Yeah, we'll link to a clip from his last championship with Napoli. And oh, man, he's packed on the pounds. He is not taking care of himself. But beyond that, he was acting like nothing had changed. His downfall starts with a really crazy story. It's January 1991, 3.40 a.m. Diego Maradona is hopped up on coke and trying to order two prostitutes for the morning, I guess. 
Can't really call it the night at this point. He's just maybe he was like doing a delayed order. Oh, maybe send him, yeah. Send him over at nine a.m. with some eggs. Yeah, well, schedule eggs ahead to get you through. Yeah, because otherwise, if it gets busy, then it's going to take him a while. You it's don't like know if you're going to hit that nine a.m. point. You got to get the practice. It's the call ahead seating of professional ass. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's smart. Call ahead. Maradona was a planner. Um, yeah. Two for 9 a.m.? Two for 9 a.m. Sounds good. <laughs> and while he's on this call, reminder, 3.40 in the morning, he's talking to an associate of the Camorra, a woman, and in the midst of this call, she's like, wait, you're Diego Maradona? You have to talk to my son. He's a huge fan. And so in the midst of what is clearly a very dark moment for Maradona. Yeah. And it is 3.40 a.m. in Europe, so that kid must have just eaten dinner. <laughs> yeah i mean i hope he was asleep but who knows yeah, his but, mom's a madam but, yeah maybe not but she inv- insists that diego maradona have a chat with this sleepy little fan about his last match and then uh right back to ordering puss over the phone there it is get some strange what he didn't realize was that the authorities in italy had conveniently started tapping his phone by this point, which wouldn't have happened if he still had that Camorra protection because they basically were the police in Naples. So they use this phone call as the justification for opening an investigation that eventually results in charges of cocaine possession and distribution because he offered some to the prostitute, Jeff. I mean, that's just good manners. Did he get a, did he get uh, charged with good manners? He should have, yeah. Get charged with being cool. Yeah. Is that sorry, a crime? So, sorry, a soccer player was cool for once. <laughs> and so on top of that, now he's got these charges over his head now. And on top of that, upon returning to play with Napoli, he immediately fails his first drug test, cocaine, obviously, in March 1991 and is banned from soccer for 15 months. Would have been a real curveball if it was like opium. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Diego, what happened in the off season for you? Where'd you find authentic absinthe? I mean, I think they've always had it in Europe. You still can't get it here. So he's banned for 15 months. Not a single teammate or representative from Napoli shows up to support him during the hearing for that ban, which is weird for Mm -hmm. athletes. No, it's not uh, in this situation because I am guaranteeing you that there was a meeting about this. Oh, yeah. Like there was a thing where he's like, you are fucking not going to this guy's hearing right but under normal circumstances that meeting might not happen because especially with pro sports in this country all of the unions and shit are made up of players and former players and things you know it was different they were like property in 1991 like the yeah so he gets suspended for 15 months and things are not done falling apart upon being suspended he returned to argentina and within a month was arrested on drug possession charges there after a federal sting operation on a flat in a working-class neighborhood in Buenos Aires where he happened to be partying. It just makes me think that the Camorra was also in Argentina. I mean, <laughs> that that's he's not impossible. That he's getting for this shit everywhere. Yeah, I mean, they- two different hemispheres. I'm sure they've got some degree of reach, but who knows? Either that or just the Argentina teen authorities felt like being heroes or looking like they arrested someone cool i know i know cops aren't usually like that but no 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 cops are usually like level-headed yeah cops cops make decisions according to the letter of the law please don't arrest me or jeff 
So he was fortunately able to work out a plea deal on both of these charges where he just received a 14-month suspended sentence. So no jail time, but Italy was done with him. I I feel like he would have been in Goodfellas jail if he went to jail. Probably. Like Like he's a hero in Argentina, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's what, I mean, it leads me to believe someone wanted to just make a show of it. Because you know he's not. I mean, he's Maradona. He's not going to go to prison for having cocaine. Yeah, that would be like um, arresting Michael Vick for having weed at the airport. Just the scent of weed in a water bottle, which, come on. Silly. Or Ricky, or kicking Ricky Williams out of football for smoking weed. Yeah. I love that has- that is why he quit football. Like, he, he was eventually yeah. just like, I want to fucking smoke weed. I need to for my mental health. Yeah, he has massive social anxiety. That's why he wore a fucking Judge Dread visor over his football helmet. <laughs> There's a documentary about him. It might be a 30 for 30. And at one point, he's got, like, a piece of food in his beard. And the cameraman goes, you have something in your beard. And Ricky Williams looks at him and goes, I know. I want it there. And just did the interview with this fucking crumb in his beard. Great. What a, what a lovely weirdo. So... After serving out that 15-month ban for testing positive for cocaine, Diego Maradona does the obvious thing and signs with a new team in the same country where he first fell in love with cocaine. Oh, Cocaine Spain. Yeah. Except this time, he signed with a team called Sevilla and was reunited with Carlos Bilardo, Sevilla's coach and the coach of Diego and Argentina's 1986 World Cup winning national team. Sevilla famous for its swords, by the way. Oh, really? Yes. We should buy some and uh, give them away if people leave positive comments on iTunes. I don't think we can afford that. Sure we can. I think they're generally expensive. (laughs) And it does actually make sense that he ends up going to Sevilla because it was basically Napoli all over again in terms of that team standing among their peers. They had won one title almost 50 years prior, but none since. Hadn't been in the top four for over 20 years. So Diego Perfect. came he, he came to town planning to propel another also-ran team to glory. But he didn't do that, and as a result, the one year he spent there is often referred to as the lost season. I mean, I would call the season where he was suspended the lost season. <laughs> yeah, you would think, because 15 months, that's got to encompass maybe two seasons. Yeah. It's generous to call that season the lost season after coming off of a 15-month suspension. His time in Sevilla did start off promising, though. Immediately upon his arrival, Sevilla's membership jumped from 26,000 to 40,000. That's that's a over 50% jump in membership dues. Yeah, it's a, it's a healthy increase. And it's at this point that I realized I am still Ted Lasso as fuck when it comes to how memberships work in soccer. So... Like a responsible podcaster, Jeff, I looked it up. And it's actually a a pretty interesting concept. It's a thing teams in the United States should consider. They should. It works like... You should consider it. Don't tell me what to do. I just did, bitch. Asshole. (laughs) Oh, come on. Uh, I'm sorry. I play by my own rules. So, So here's how this works. When tickets for Premier League matches go on sale, in a lot of cases, they're very hard to get. Like, the Premier League is like the NFL. Tickets for NFL games are generally the hardest to get and the most expensive. Yeah. It's their National Football League. <laughs> what do you mean? It's, it's, foot, spe- it's spelled it's different, Jeff. Football. But it's spe- they're spelled Adam, hmm? fo- football. 
Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I get it now. God damn it. <laughs> Roasted. Ah, uh, you are a card. I uh, go for it, man. I really go for it. So just like in the U.S., for most sports, season ticket holders get first shot at tickets for any game, which obviously makes sense. But the difference in the United States, the next step in that process is tickets just go on sale to the general public where they can get snatched up by scalpers and resold for way more money on the black market. What memberships do is they add a step in between season ticket holders and the general public. And it's basically like a loyalty rewards program. You pay a very reasonable fee. It's usually around 40 pounds, which is $56 in real money for a year, even for bigger teams. So that's that's reasonable. You can't even get a year of high quality podcasts for that cheap, if I'm being completely honest. That's true. So they also have sometimes like youth memberships and like a, a light membership. Uh, and you usually get a bunch of swag for your troubles. Although I shouldn't say troubles when we're talking about Europe, probably sensitive Some, spot. Something else. The other thing you get is first chance at buying whatever tickets are left after season ticket holders buy theirs. But also, your place in that line depends on how many loyalty points you've earned through purchasing tickets previously. So a good example of how this could have worked in the United States, Cleveland Browns have been historically terrible for my entire lifetime. I think they made like an AFC championship in the mid-80s, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, lost to the Bengals. Uh, Someone confirmed that. That's a a clash of the titans right there. Yeah, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl that year and lost after their starting fullback uh, freaked out and smoked crack in his hotel room for 12 hours instead of uh, showing up for the game. Adam, who among us? He was at a team meeting that morning and was like, oh, I forgot my playbook. I'll be back. And then went back to his room and started smoking crack. Stanley Wilson, look it up. It's a crazy story. Anyway, so let's say you're a Cleveland Browns fan. Let's not, but okay. I mean, I'd rather not. And they're, they're terrible forever. But then last season, this is true, uh, they were great. They, I mean, they didn't win a Super Bowl, but they uh, beat the Steelers in the first round of the playoffs, blew them out. They had a solid record. I think they were like 13-3 and three or 12-4, and four, something like that. And had it not been for COVID, once the Browns started getting good, those games were going to sell out. Yeah. In, in other Cleveland things, it's like the Browns getting, I mean, the Cavs getting LeBron. Right. Where you're like, oh, I have a reason to go to these games now? Because the Browns fans are, are historically fervent. They're like Raiders fans. Yeah. And especially because they lost that franchise at one point. The yeah. Baltimore Ravens are the old, the old Cleveland Browns. Browns. Yeah. yeah. The Cleveland Oof. Browns, as we know them, have been around since like 2005. Or yeah, something. it's not been a while. And they were like, it was demanded that they get their team back. And then their team showed up and still sucked. And that's <laughs> so funny to me still fucking terrible but now they're good and so if that happened in covid wasn't a thing those tickets would have started selling out at least midway through the season and had there if they had some sort of membership system the people who would have first shot at buying those tickets would be the people who've been buying tickets this whole time when the browns fucking sucked you've seen them in like bulldog masks right you've seen them and those might even be, oh, I, I bet a lot holders, of them are yeah. season ticket holders. Season ticket holders are like 40 bucks a season for the Browns. Probably, yeah. But then if there were people who like support the Browns, can't afford season tickets, but they turn out four or five times a year, even though the Browns suck, those people would have first shot at buying tickets when the Browns get good. 
What a bummer that there's nothing to do in Cleveland except for go to teams that sucks games. Yeah, Cleveland's a pretty bleak place, but uh, so is a lot of America. This would be a good thing for franchises like that. Another example I have in the notes is the New Orleans Pelicans. They've been a team no one has given a shit about forever. And now they have Zion Williamson, who is one of the most dominating players in basketball. Not only is that going to sell more Pelicans tickets, other teams, their fans are going to turn out when they play the Pelicans because of Zion Williamson. So fans on both sides of that who've been loyal to the team would be able to buy tickets to see Zion Williamson first. We went to a preseason Celtics game when they were bad because LeBron was going to be there. And we were Mm. just like, oh, I'd like to go see that. And it was in Worcester, not Boston. But apparently uh, at the, I think it might've been the DCU center at the time or whatever, but like the, the, it was so many people there and like, it was so warm that the ice underneath it for the AHL team was like basically condensing to water on top (laughs) of the fucking floor. And so they had to call the game because it was like too slippery. And like, let me tell you, Worcester Mass loves feeling slighted. I mean, it was, I'm surprised there wasn't a fucking riot happening at that. That's what I hate about load management in the NBA right now. Like you buy tickets to see LeBron, eh, you're not necessarily going to see LeBron that night if it's a, a, t- a game they don't necessarily need to win. Which is fair, honestly. Yeah, I mean... Like, they, they, these are humans that have yeah. every right to be injured or need rest. I mean, agree to disagree, I guess, but <laughs> it's fine. So Fuck yeah, the, like this membership thing seems like a good thing, but I'm sure someone in the comments will tell me why it Euro sucks. But let's get back to Sevilla. Not only did the membership skyrocket, they also made 2.2 million European dollars in ticket sales that season. Team also did a bunch of stuff to accommodate Maradona's celebrity. They immediately made him team captain. They moved practice from morning to the afternoon for some reason. (laughs) Nobody knows why. Yeah, I don't know why. Mystery lost to the ages. (laughs) Might have had something to do with how not long after he arrived, he crashed his Mercedes Benz at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh... (laughs) Who among us? I just threw this detail in because it's so fun. Uh, Shortly after arriving in Sevilla, he moved into a home owned by the most famous bullfighter in the world. And we all know, say it with me, Jeff. Juan Antonio Ruiz Ruiz Roman. Yeah. Spartacus, if you're nasty. Yeah. Nicknamed Spartacus. Everyone knows that. I mean, I... I bet people were getting frustrated with how long it took us to say it yeah. when they were probably like, Juan Antonio Ruiz Roman. Come on, yeah. Spartacus. Yeah, and obvi. If you've never seen this guy, he looks like a bullfighter nicknamed Spartacus. How can you have that face and still be like, I think I want to kill bulls for fun? He probably like started out with humans. Like He looks like he was an assassin. He is gorgeous. He is, this man he, is this man is upsettingly handsome he looks like james bond yeah he looks like yeah yeah i mean this dude Oof. and then he's just like check it out i'm gonna go into an arena and torture an animal until it dies bullfighting is the fucking worst it's so ugly that they're like you know what it's 2008 we should stop this right nope did they finally stop it? I think I they think might so. have. Uh, mm, I think I it was, so. but it was like at a time when we were like, oh, this should have been illegal like two centuries ago. Yeah. Just stopping it now. Fuck your culture. Fight a mechanical bull, you asshole. So one definite bright spot during the season was his relationship with his teammates. Because remember, this team is trash 
another American comparison is the Tampa Bay Bucks last year. Like if you're playing for the Tampa Bay Bucks, at no point are you even imagining that someday you will play with the greatest, not the best, but the greatest NFL quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. And when that happens, you're going to be like, fuck yeah, Tom Brady can do whatever he wants, including signing Antonio Brown, which dicey call, but fine. Kind of worked out. It sure did. (laughs) It's working out for Antonio Brown, too. He's been, I think he lives with Tom Brady. Like, that's how dedicated they are to keeping. Yeah, (laughs) it's crazy. That's weird that in the NHL, like, there's like a mentorship program where you live with a veteran. That's probably smart, though. For, like, rookies, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's where fucking Mario Lemieux housed, uh, what's his name there? Fucking Captain Dive over on the Penguins. Crosby? Mm. I don't know. I don't like saying his name. Also, by the way, in case you're wondering, bullfighting still legal on the Iberian Peninsula, southern France, Mexico, Colombia, Venezuela, Peru, and Ecuador. Finally. So, yeah, of course, everyone was psyched when Diego Maradona comes to town. And uh, they did a lot to accommodate him, but he was really good back to his teammates. He bought him gifts, took him to dinner, let them drive his cars. There's one story about him spotting a teammate wearing a fake Rolex. So he just bought him a real Rolex to replace it like Diego Maradona shit basically yeah. standard Maradona move that's Probably. a friend you want when you're like hey check out my fake Rolls Royce huh? yeah huh? I'd be <laughs> buying I'd be buying fake shit all the time if I was hanging around him just buy a Nissan and put a Rolls Royce good ornament on it yeah check out this v- fake steak that I got here mm, I sure could use a real one I remember a story about Michael Jordan back when he was playing for the Bulls they did a secret Santa thing And this player, he was like some scrub who came off the bench. Uh, Michael Jordan pulled his name and bought him a portable CD player. And he was quoted in an interview. He said, I thought I was going to get a Range Rover. Michael Jordan's like, oh, no, I gambled that Range Rover away. (laughs) Yeah, I did actually buy you one on the way in. And then I flipped quarters for it. Yeah. uh, Security guard has it now. In the parking lot of a Best Buy. So then I had to go into (laughs) the Best Buy and get Get this portable (laughs) CD player. You want to play cards for it? Yeah. <laughs> you want to flip CDs for the CD <laughs> Michael, you have a home stereo system. In your and, car. Yeah. And I took that personally. So yeah, this this was a lot like Tom Brady coming to town, except it didn't work. Mainly because Diego Maradona was recalled to the Argentine national team midseason. Up until that point, things were looking good. But then balancing that and his duties to this team, (laughs) duty, it uh, became a lot. And he ended up missing games and had a falling out with the coach. There's a rumor at one point that the team hired a private investigator to tail him so they could dig up dirt that would allow them to nullify his contract. And I think that might have worked. I think that's not hard to do. Especially not if you're following Diego Maradona. That's like trying to prove the existence of ghosts in a Ghostbusters movie. They're going to show up. But also, if I'm not mistaken, the thing that finally took him down was he was caught driving his car at a high rate of speed, which is a lot like taking down Al Capone for taxes. Like, Yeah, you, that's you, a weird way to get him. We got him speeding. Probably a player safety clause, though. Like, Yeah, I mean, sure. Once you violate that. I mean, I'm sure that's what they said. He ended up suing them to try and get them to pay him the money he was owed. So I do think they managed to nullify that contract. You know what he did, though? Just in keeping with the situation, he hit a bull with that car. (laughs) 
so yeah, after this season, he he plays another relatively uneventful season for an awesomely named team called Newell's Old Boys. That but, sounds uh, like an old timey gang. It sure does. That sounds like a post Civil War gang. Yeah, it's the kind it's the kind of thing I'd see it as a movie title and be like, oh, I don't give a fuck about that. And then you read the description and it's just all gang violence and yeah. shooting. Fuck yes. Sign me up. But neither of these two seasons are what people remember most about this point in Maradona history. It's the 1994 World Cup, which was held in the notoriously soccer crazy United States of America. And boy, were people not happy about that. They were anywhere, like, especially in America. Yeah, probably here too. The they fucking like, traffic. Are you kidding me? That's like the Olympics in LA. Everybody in LA is like, no. Yeah, but it's happened in 2028, I believe. As if LA will still exist yeah, by then. Gonna be Snake Pliskin gonna be the one lighting the yeah. fucking torch. Watch Handmaid's Tale, people. It's coming. So during the 1994 World Cup, his performance on on the pitch isn't that memorable. He played a total of 173 minutes and appeared in only two games. It's not bad for being on only two games, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's most of two games. Yeah. So there's that. But uh, the before and after is pretty insane. For one thing, in February 1994, he quit the Argentine national team, saying he was under too much pressure and couldn't cope mentally, which, fine, I could see that with Diego Maradona at this point. But as was customary at the time, reporters camped out outside his house once this happened, just waiting for him to come out and give them a little more explanation for why he quit the team. And instead, what they got was him coming out of the house, shooting at them with an air rifle, which do I have it? Oh, I don't have it queued up, but the video we linked to, you don't see him shooting, but you hear the shots and you hear people panicking. Yeah, well, it's an air rifle. La casa de fin de semana de los Maradona fue protagonista en febrero de 1994 de un enfrentamiento entre el 10 y los periodistas que apostados en la puerta de ingreso pretendían cubrir la estadía del ídolo en el lugar. It did injure four people. There was there was legal action taken, but injury. Yeah. Because after he does it, he comes out and finally talks to him. And they're like, he's like, I told you to get away from my house. And they're like, you injured four people. And he's like, I told you to get away from my house. I mean, fair salient points on both sides. (laughs) There, There should be some kind of like harassment clause where you're like, I don't know. If you tell people they're, if people are uh, trespassing or something like that, you should be like, well, I'm going to fucking shoot you. I'm warning you right now. Yeah, we changed that here. Like, we changed a lot of paparazzi laws here, mostly because of Britney Spears and the shit we put her through. Yes, and uh, I think, like, Lady Di's death really called attention. I remember George Clooney was, like, a big, like, fucking C. Yeah, well, that's if the crown didn't kill her. Which, I wanted to uh, rent myself out to celebrities to harass the paparazzi for them. Oh, that would to, be like, fun. Yeah. Get in the paparazzi's way and take photos of their kids and stuff. Yeah. Not like the paparazzi have kids, but you know what I mean. Of course not. And if they do, fuck those kids too. Man, I fuck mean, not them kids. Literally. No. Like in the. In the Michael Jordan it, sense. Yeah. Not Michael. Jordan, not Jackson. <laughs> oh, let's move on. So. He has quit the national team by this point, but like the proverbial phoenix rising from the cocaine residue ashes, he came out of retirement to play in a two-game playoff against Australia 
to decide which team would qualify for the World Cup, and it wasn't pretty, but Argentina won. And right. Diego was a national hero again, and kind of always. Jeff. Yeah. Guess where Argentina's first game of the 1994 World Cup was played? Adam, I don't have to guess, because I know I was there. I don't think that's true. Foxborough Stadium, motherfucker. Were Foxborough, you at this Mass, game? Home of JoJo. Is that the Patriots name? The the guy? No, that's Pat. JoJo, oh. the singer. You don't know. Like oh, okay. Me. Just... <laughs> that's that's the darling that's the of Foxborough. Cele- JoJo. It's the first celebrity reference you go to for that region. Yeah. I was not there. No, no, no. I was uh what, um twelve and uh Yeah. You'd have been young. I was going to comic shops. I was not going to soccer games. And the the match itself was against Greece, who was a team that was not good. And at one point, with Argentina already up two nothing, Maradona scores one of the most iconic goals of his career. And here's the thing. The goal itself is very neat. Like, it's a very impressive goal. He threads the needle pretty hard, yeah. He really does. And in a way that the goalie almost doesn't even move because he just did not see it coming. But then uh, that's not why this goal is famous. It's famous because of the celebration afterwards. After scoring this goal, Diego Maradona turns and makes a beeline for the camera. And as he's approaching, he has the look of a maniac on his face. His eyes are bulging. He looks angry. It looks like he was thinking of headbutting the camera and then like stopped short at the last second. And this got people thinking uh, maybe he was maybe he was on something at the World Cup because uh, maybe he celebrates, but not usually like that. You know, it's weird because all of his celebrations were cocaine fueled. So it's how do you how do you decide what is and isn't? Yeah, what made this one different? Because he looked angry. (laughs) But also in watching the video, I'm sure you watched it also. It's one of those things where when you watch it in real time, the look on his face isn't that noticeable. So I feel like this probably became a story after a bunch of slow motion replays that like probably froze at a point that made it look worse than it was. But either way, people responded like, shit, you're on cocaine, huh? Fair enough, because he was. Oh, he certainly was. But whatever, man, they won. And beat Greece. Beat Greece. Next match was against Nigeria. They won that also, two to one. I would just like to add that the phrase beat Greece sounds so filthy. Oh, yeah, it does. And get me a jar of beet grease. (laughs) Beat my grease tonight. (laughs) I'm going to grease up for some beating. (laughs) Oh, beating grease. Fucking Use code UNPOPS beat. at checkout to save 15% on your order. On your order of beat grease. <laughs> so the next match, they beat Nigeria 2-1. to one, But at the end of the game, Maradona was seen leaving the pitch, holding hands with a medical nurse who was responsible for taking him to the drug testing area. In other words, he was immediately escorted off the field by doping authorities. And that's not normal. They usually let you get in there first. I feel like all of it's not normal, including the hand-holding thing. Do you think she was like, you're not going to fucking... He's running away doing moves around her to get away from her? Here's my question. We're saying her. Are we sure? Could have been a dude. Just says medical nurse. You said nurse. So <laughs> I think we know what it was. There are a lot of famous male nurses in history, like Ben Stiller, for ben example. Ben Stiller from Meet the Parents, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's the yeah, that's the only one I can I think actually of. have several friends that are that are nurses that are men. So nice try, <laughs> Adam. Gross. So 
Yeah, he gets he gets escorted off the field by the doping authorities. And a few days later, FIFA announced that Maradona had failed that drug test, except this time it was for ephedrine, which is who's a different. Not, who's not taking ephedrine in 1994? That is fucking over the counter diet pills at the time. Jeff, let me tell you, I used to take so much ephedrine. You could smell it when I sweat like it was because it. Yeah, it that was speed. Like it was fucking speed. Like that's, yeah, why, that's you make- why it's diet pills, man. Speed is an excellent diet program. And you make meth with pseudoephedrine, which only exists because real ephedrine was too fucking dangerous. Yeah, it turns out it was a uh, burst in hearts. Yeah, it was 1994 it was- and it was breaking more hearts than Joey Lawrence. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, oh, Jeff. Oh, don't Whoa. hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> The reason he was taking ephedrine, one, it's a performance enhancer. It's a stimulant, just like cocaine. But also, it masks the presence of other drugs if you take it at a high enough quantity. Do you think he could have gotten away with being like, yeah, I'm a fat piece of shit and I need to fix it? Like, do you think he could have, like, gotten away with that aspect of it? Like, I'm taking these diet pills because I gained weight. Not with also doing that much cocaine. Because, like, people knew. People knew what he was doing. And that it would have worked, but the process takes... You got to give it a couple days between doing cocaine and pounding that much ephedrine. But who knows? Like, it, it kind of seems like they were sort of out to get him by this point. I mean, he's he is essentially a very he's a very problematic star to have. It would be it would be like if we knew about Michael Jordan's gambling addiction while he was going through it. Yeah. Or what you typically see in this country with sports is once you get well, I mean, I mean he did Barry get bonds. Yeah, he got banned. Like uh, Maradona did end up getting banned for 15 months for this. So he there were some ramifications eventually, but God, they covered for him for a long time. I mean, yeah, you think about like fucking Jose Canseco. Like everybody knew he was doing steroids at the time, but also like FIFA for the first time was apparently not interested in protecting its players. Famously, FIFA is like one of the most corrupt fucking sporting groups in all of the world. Yeah, FIFA is the IOC for soccer, basically. Mm -hmm. The International Olympic Committee is basically a force for, uh, I almost said genocide, uh, gentrification. Thank you. But probably genocide, too. That's sort of like housing genocide. Yeah, yeah. They Once they come to town, you get to move your homeless people wherever the fuck you want because the olympics are coming it's uh very gross this is a quote from a fifa representative we think it's a very tragic occurrence very tragic for diego himself and very tragic for football this could be the end of a great career that's guido tagnoni a fifa representative the camorra is coming after him in fifa huh (laughs) and yeah it kind of was the end he bounced around to another team or two but his career was mostly unremarkable from this point. He embarked on a two-year stint with Boca Juniors in 1995, checked into rehab in 96, returned for the 97 season, promptly failed his first drug test. And after that, he announced his retirement from the sport at the age of 37. Jeff. Man, whenever I think about people retiring because they're too old and then they're younger than me, I'm always like, fuck. Yeah, like that ever, happens all the time yeah, with sports. I see it a lot where I, I was watching like a Foreman documentary and they're like, can this ancient piece of shit compete? And I'm like, I am two years older than him. Yeah, Vince Carter too. Vince Carter just became the oldest player to ever play in an NBA game. And they were like, can you believe the old guy's still out there doing it? And he was like 41. It's like, oh. 
I remember watching Ali training for a fight when he was 38 and talking about, he's like, oh, I can't get rid of this. It was back when Ali was like way past his prime. And it's the point where anybody giving him a fight should go to jail. Yeah. But he was like, I can't seem to get rid of my my stomach here. (laughs) And I was just like, Jesus, man, like, how do you look so much older than me? And the, the saddest part is even though they talk about these athletes in their late 30s, early 40s this way, even in that broken state, they're still more of an athlete than any of us will oh, ever fucking be. Yeah. Like if you saw him in person, you'd be like, Jesus Christ. Like, unless it was like David Wells or something. Yeah. He wasn't an athlete <laughs> when he was 28. He pitched a no hitter in the least athletic shape anybody's ever been in. Yeah. Hung Roger over. Clemens, too, seemed like he was pretty out of shape until he started fucking with steroids obviously it's one of the best espn commercials i've ever seen is when there's a group of espn guys talking about how clemens lost it and so they're like oh hey and roger walks by and they call him in and be like oh terry said you you've lost your speed and he just throws the dude and the guy's like 98 you still got it nice it's a great commercial so we've reached the end point of this episode maradona retiring at 37 seems like a good stopping point and also 37 that's not bad for a guy who did this much cocaine and abused his body as bad as he did making it to 37 it's pretty impressive the the lengths lebron has gone to to still be playing right now and he's like 36 37 like that man looks like he was sculpted from metal the pool's a bit deeper these days i would say you know, it's uh, how many people can compete with Maradona at that level at that time in it's that area. It's fascinating. Like no one Banana on the next man. episode. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Pretty crazy. So yeah, on the next episode, we're talking about more cocaine, but also some coaching. He embarks on a coaching career that is surprisingly lengthy. Not that successful, but it'll be fun to talk about. Until then, Jeff, do we have anything to plug? I got a couple things. Any? Yeah, I got a couple what things. What do you have you to want? plug? Well, you, you know do? what? Jeff has cool friends. Uh, the show available uh, on a uh, bi-weekly basis on patreon.com slash Jeff May for the ad-free, uncensored experience. It is also made free, available a week later. Uh, so feel free to check that out either way. Uh, th- we also have uh, Gamefully Unemployed's Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Patreon. And also Adam doesn't like sports. Oh, that's right. Jeff doesn't even like that's sports. That's not what I said. I, sh- I, I, I wanted to make sure to get that in. What about you, Adam? Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash unpops, unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. Uh, starting next week, the, the levels are changing a little bit on the Patreon and the Supercast. And uh, foreshadowing alert, if you want to subscribe to the Unpops Network and get all of our podcasts for $5 a month, Better do it fast. Get on there, motherfucker. Maybe this weekend or something like that. Yeah, if man. You know what I'm, if you know what I'm saying, I'm saying the levels are going to change on Monday. Uh, beyond that, you know, at Adam Todd Brown on Twitter and Instagram, even though I'm never there, but some sometimes I am. Someday maybe I'll be back. Who knows? But uh, let's get the fuck out of here. Jeff, say goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Adam. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.